Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women. Thank you for being a part as well. Appreciate that. And those of you who are watching online, thank you for being with us as well. And so just thanks so much. I know COVID is spiking a bit. And so thank you, whether you are in at one of our campuses or online, either way, you're a part of the Church Unlimited Nation. Thank you for that. Thanks for being a part of our services. And so let's say our mission statement together. We'd like to start with that. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about. I believe that Jesus in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we've been covering, it's also called the Beatitudes. I believe that probably his best few points are at the very end of his message. We're covering those two points today. I'm very excited about this because I think this will relate to where we all are today. I really believe this is a critical message in your life. And so I just want to stop and pray and ask God to just to drill down in us and just teach something to us and get something in our spirit. So let's pray right now. Lord, I pray, God, I ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do your work in our lives right now through your word. God, thank you. You bring healing to us. You bring direction to us. You give us new insight. And I pray, Lord, that you would literally transform us through your word right now. Thank you for this teaching. Thank you, God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Lord, I pray that you'd use these verses in our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for being a part of our services today. I'm excited about this. Today's message on blessed are the peacemakers is called, but God, this isn't fair. You ever felt that way? But God, what I'm facing is not fair. I'm not being treated fairly. What's going on in our world today isn't fair. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you feel like something isn't fair. Well, this message uh, will really speak to you today if you feel like that's where you are today. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, the next of the Beatitudes is this. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they will be called the children of God. So it doesn't say that we're called children of God if we believe a certain way. So we think like, oh, to be a Christian, we're supposed to be known by our beliefs, right? Actually, no, it says to be a Christian, you're supposed to be known by your love, by the way you love one another. Well, the greatest display of love is not loving someone that you like. It's loving someone you don't like. That's the greatest display of love, isn't it? When you love someone that you can't stand the way they see the world, their perspective, their angle, you just think, oh, you got to be kidding me. I have to love that person. How do you love someone who's difficult? You find peace with them. And so wouldn't you agree that in 2020, it'd be a pretty good year for us to have some peacemakers? Because we've had lots of lack of peace. We've had lots of schisms and fighting and division and disunity in our country and in our world today. It'd be great if we could have some, some unity instead. And so I believe that we are called to be peacemakers according to God's word. Blessed are you if you're a peacemaker, for you will be called the children of God. People will look at you and go, man, now that is a Christian. Now that's a child of God. Why? Because they brought peace to a situation where there was no peace. And so I want to challenge you to win a personal Nobel Peace Prize in your life, to be able to connect with people that you don't agree with, that you don't think like they do, that you don't do life like they do life. And so it's, we can all agree with someone and like someone that we agree with, but can you like and love someone that you don't agree with? This is the challenge, isn't it? There's a pastor that I really look up to a lot. He's an incredible preacher. He, when he preaches the word of God, I literally listen and I think, wow, how, I've been studying the Bible for decades and I never saw that before. Don't you love when a preacher does that, when they, they teach you something you think, I, never in a million years did I see that. That's amazing. This guy is so incredibly gifted. But then I'm also reminded, I've heard him on multiple occasions make very public statements politically that I completely disagree with. 
that I can't believe. I'm just, I just think, how can he think like that? And then it dawned on me, he's godly, he loves the Lord, he loves God's word, he knows God's word, and he thinks totally different than I do, which means I may be wrong. We have a hard time saying that, don't we? That maybe my perspective isn't the only perspective on how we should run this country, on how we should vote, on how we should philosophize, and how we should see the world, on how we should handle economics on how we should lead our families and how we should run an organization. Maybe my perspective is not the only way. It's hard for us to imagine that, that we could possibly be wrong. But I want to challenge you with this. We always want to make being right the goal. Actually, I want to challenge you to change the goal. And so would you write this down? I want to challenge you to make peace your goal with others. Make peace your goal. Not make being right your goal. Make peace your goal. The, the, the rule in relationships is to relate <laughs> not to be right. And so I just want to challenge you with that. I'm not trying to say that right and wrong don't matter. They do. But could it be that you can just have a perspective that's different from someone else's and maybe you're both right from the standpoint that you both grew up different ways, different backgrounds. You see things from different angles. It does exist. It does happen. There are people closer to God than you that disagree with you. It's good to remember that, isn't it? You're like, oh, Okay. Well, then maybe I shouldn't be so dogmatic in my perspective that it has to be this way or no way. And the truth is that people do think differently than you and I. And so make peace your goal with others. I want to encourage you with that. You know, this, this last week, I got to see some friends and some family over the holidays. And not every one of my friends and my families that I got to see, I agree with politically. So guess what I did? We just didn't talk about politics. It's pretty simple. There's all kinds of things we talked about. How's your family? What's going on in your life? Tell them about your business. There's all kinds of stuff to talk about. We had a great time. We just didn't bring up the one issue that would have divided us. Does that make sense? People have asked me, Pastor, why didn't you bring up politics during this political season? Because we are a very diverse church. Now, I hear pastors say that. People say, oh, we're a very, very diverse church. I heard this one pastor say that. And he went on a rant about politics after that. And I thought he just gave away the fact that he's not a diverse church. <laughs> that means everyone in this church pretty much votes the same way. Because if you did that in our church, 50% of the congregation would be gone the next week. Because we are actually a diverse church, and we have people that vote one way or the other around here. And th this may shock you, but you're going to be really frustrated when you get to heaven if that's a problem for you. Because there's going to be lots of people there who think totally different than you. But there's a lot of commonalities, aren't there? Can we all agree that Jesus is Lord? Can we all agree that people need the Lord? Can we all agree that we're willing to lift high the, the name of Jesus? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. So this is what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to focus on your commonality. Focus on what you have in common with other people. So you, I could, we could bring a black man up here and he would say, I'm a black man and I don't understand the way a white man thinks. Okay, well, maybe you think differently politically. Maybe you come from different sides of the tracks, potentially. But you're both men. So you have that in common, Right. I mean, if I cut below your skin, we're both bleeding red last time I checked. You both have families, right? Potentially, you're both probably married or in relationships. So it sounds like we have a lot in common. But isn't it funny how we run right to the one thing that's different? Maybe we should learn to run to what we have in common rather than what is different. Number two is to be considerate of others' perspectives. And start by finding common ground. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 1. I have a serious concern to bring up to you, my friends, using the authority of Jesus, our master. I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. 
So let's focus on the things we have in common. Let's focus on the fact that we all have families. We all want success in our lives. We want our kids to do well. I think we can all agree on those things, can't we? We can all agree that we'd like to lift up the principles of Christ and live that way and honor the Lord. I think there's a lot of things we have in common. But isn't it funny how we go right to the things that we don't have in common? Now, I want to let you in on something. One of the best ways for God to develop you as a leader is to put you around or below someone who drives you crazy. I just need to break that to you, that when God wanted to develop a David, he put him under Saul. He gave him a father who was aloof and blew him off. He gave him brothers who treated him horribly. So when God wants to develop a leader, he oftentimes puts him around unfair and unjust people. It's good to remember that. So David's like, wow, I'm anointed to be the next king. And God's like, that's right. So now I'm going to put you under Saul. Just be careful. Every Tuesday and Thursday, he's going to throw a spear at you. Like, what? It's like, yeah. So I'm going to put you under a leader that's going to, that's going to harden you to everything you don't want to do. I, I know some fathers in our church that are amazing dads, and their fathers were horrible. And it made them, as they grew up, think, I will never do that when I'm a dad. It made them good fathers. Make sense? Some of you are going to be amazing spouses one day because of the jacked up mess you just broke up with. And you think, I do. Oh, I heard some amens on that. Because some of you are like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not in that any longer. Right? It happens. It does. It's like when you go back to your high school reunion and you see that girl that you prayed, oh, God, please give me that girl. And then you see her 10 years later and you're like, Lord, thank you for not answering all my prayers. I want to encourage you that God has a plan for you. And sometimes God's plan is to grow you by putting what I call sandpaper people next to you. They rub you the wrong way, but they're rubbing edges off you. They're smoothing you out. So he puts unfair people in your life to grow you into who he wants you to become. I served under a pastor for a season, a small season. I had some great pastors that I served under, but I also served under one particular pastor that was a nightmare. It was so difficult. I would go home every Sunday and I would tell my wife, I want to quit. I want to quit so bad. And she'd say, no, you know God called you to be here. You know you're supposed to be Oh, I don't want to work on this guy. This guy was so difficult. At one point, he pushed me against a car and threatened me. That was about five minutes before church started. But through all of that, I didn't quit because one day I can now stand before staff members and I can say, first of all, I don't push them and threaten them, but I can actually say to them, I understand you don't agree with the direction we're going on this but I need you to trust me. I need you to know that God has a plan and I know what it's like to serve under someone that you're having a hard time with the direction they're taking you. So it gives me a compassion that I may not have if everyone I had ever worked for when I was uh, underneath a pastor, if they had always just been wonderful, I may not have had the perspective to really think about being the guy, being the girl, being the person who's had to listen to the directives I'm giving. It's incredible how God shapes us and he incubates us through difficulties. You know, an incubator, I was put under an incubator, by the way, when I was a baby, because I was born early. And my mom says I was a miracle child. I don't know about that, but I think mothers just kind of say that and believe that. But, but there was some miracles to it. But I will just say this, and I'm not discounting my mother's perspective. I'm just simply saying, you know, we all kind of have our stories. But I was born early. And they had to put me under an incubator. And you know what that is? It's heat. Heat develops you. Could it be that 
God has given us the directive, blessed are the peacemakers, because he knew he was going to put us in situations where we needed to bring some peace. You won't need the scripture, blessed are the peacemakers, if you get along with everybody all the time. If there's never difficulty. People keep dreaming about being in the corner office at work, but yet you can't get along with two coworkers. Because the person in the corner office actually didn't get there by thinking about the corner office. He got there, she got there, by thinking about all the people to, that they have to lead. So if you really want to have your eyes in the corner office, get your eyes off of that office, get your eyes on helping people, growing people, developing people, building a cohesive team and unity. Because if you do that, that's what gives you the raise and the promotion you're looking for. And so we have to have the ability to grow a team and put people together that normally wouldn't be together. And so God is not looking for uniformity among us. He's looking for unity. If God wanted us all to think alike, he would have made us think alike. If God wants us all to look alike, we'd all look alike. God didn't do that, did he? God apparently loves diversity because he made it. And so the truth is people are supposed to think differently than you. People are supposed to have different perspectives than you. And we're supposed to learn to work alongside those people. Blessed are the peacemakers. So let's find some things in common that we can all agree upon. But again, I want to remind you, you are developed best when God puts you around or underneath unreasonable people, unfair people. Nothing grows you faster than that. Now, before we go any further, though, we're talking about being a peacemaker what you are on the inside is what you give out. COVID has not made you into something. COVID has revealed what's already there. And so guess what? The people on TV that were already stoking division when COVID hit, they had more reason to stoke division. The people who were full, filled with faith and positivity when COVID hit, they just, they just drew out their faith and their positivity. So whatever's in you is gonna come out in those circumstances. So I just wanna encourage you that what, what's in us matters And so I just want to remind you that you can't give out what you don't have on the inside. You can't be a peacemaker if you lack peace. You know, if you're a fearful person, you probably grew up around someone who is fearful. Just think about that for a second. You're really fearful. Did you have a parent or a sibling or a friend that was very fearful? Sky is always falling. You you probably picked it up from someone. If you're a very faith-filled person, you're probably around someone who is faith-filled. Does that make sense? And so because we, we pick up on what we're, what we're around. So, so what, what are you giving out by the way that, that you think? Is there peace inside of you or are you in turmoil? Are you, are you worried? Are you upset all the time? And so what I'm trying to say is this. Number three, no matter what your circumstances, pray until you have peace. Get God's peace inside you because you can't be a peacemaker to give out to other people unless you have peace within you. Look what Jesus, or look what it says in Philippians 4. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So even when you pray, pray with thanksgiving. In other words, instead of saying, oh God, please help us. This COVID's a mess. The world's going crazy. I don't know what to do. God, please. Instead of that, say, Lord, I want to thank you that you knew COVID was coming and that you're in charge. I thank you, Lord, that even though there's a, there's a spike in COVID, Lord, thank you, God, that there's vaccines on the way. Lord, I want to thank you that I'm involved and I'm a part of a country that's bringing a solution to the world. Lord, I want to thank you, God, that in the middle of this racial division, there's been new conversations that have probably never been had before that's going to bring unity and healing to people. I want to thank you, God, that the church has been on the forefront of that, by the way, not just our church, but churches everywhere, which last time I checked, there was a preacher who said, I have a dream. So apparently God has been using the church all along to bring healing and reconciliation. 
Praise God. That's the way it's supposed to be. So when we pray, let's pray a positive, faith-filled prayer. Thank you, God, that you are going to bring a solution to this situation. And then it says this, if you'll do that, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you say, God, please give me your peace in this situation. Help me know that you're still in control. And then once you get God's peace, you put up your force field. And you have to guard your peace. When people come at you with something that, that can get you upset or worried, you say, nope, nope. I got my force field on. I got the peace of God in me. I'm not, I'm not going to let that get in me. This is where I hear people say things like, I do not receive that. I'm not going to let that comment get to me. I'm not going to let that sink into my soul because I've already been with the Lord and he's told me he's got this. So I'm not going to live confused. I'm not going to live scared. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith knowing God has me. How do we do that? How do we get the peace of God within us? Look how Jesus did it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Let's just be practical here. Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Now, some of you think, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I can't pray all night. I'm not Jesus. Why, why can't you? You can do other things all night. I mean, you can, just to be honest, let's, let's, just, let's just confess it right now. You do things all night, all the time. Oh, I can't pray all night. There's just no way. Have you ever looked at that app on your iPhone that tells you how long you've been on certain apps? Has anyone ever looked at that and been a little embarrassed and thought, I don't want anyone to see how long... I have been on Instagram. I have been on Facebook. I have been on, you, you pick the app of your choice. It's almost, it's, it's embarrassing, isn't it? You're like, wow, I can't believe I could spend that long. You ever sat in front of a television for hours and looked up and you thought, I just gave five hours to my television. I was in the crown longer than Queen Elizabeth is in the crown. <laughs> you ever done that? You ever been like, I don't know how, I, I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know NCS, NCIS is not even that interesting. And somehow I sit here and watched episode after episode or whatever your favorite show is. And it's amazing how you can just get locked down into this and you think, well, I've been on YouTube for, for three hours going from video to video to video or Netflix to, to video to video. It's incredible how long we can stay in something. And so apparently you can do something all night. So I just want to challenge you to spend some time with the Lord. I'm serious. You know, I'm in this prayer season right now, and I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm praying long because I'm so spiritual. Actually, I think I'm praying so long because it takes me that long to get spiritual. But I will tell you this. The other day I was walking, and I was just walking with God, and I was praying, and I was really upset about a lot of different things in our country and things going on in my world, in my life personally. I was just like, Lord, I just, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm just really worried. I'm concerned about a lot of things. And, and, and as, I, as I began to walk, I, just, I was thinking about our nation and just how crazy things have gotten. And as I was becoming fearful, and I was like, Lord, I just need you to help calm me down. As I did that, I, I walked around the block, and when I did, I saw this home with a beautiful nativity scene out front. I mean, it was awesome. They had well-lit, and they had Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. I mean, they had it all, even had the donkey. You gotta have the donkey if you're gonna have the, you know, you, got, you can do it right, you gotta have the donkey. So they had, had the whole thing. It looked so good. And it was like, in that moment, God just reminded me that there are still people in this country that believe in Jesus. Isn't that good to know that? You know what you call that in the Bible? You call that a remnant. And what, what that means is God will bless our nation as long as we, God's people, are still in it. He'll bless it. So I encourage you with that. God blessed Potiphar's home, not because of Potiphar or his wife. They were crazy as could be. God blessed Potiphar's home because Joseph was in it. God will bless your work. You see, you may say, no one in my work honors God, but you're there, you do, so God will bless your work. 
You may say, man, no one in my high school is honoring God. But you know what? The, the three or four friends you sit with at your lunch table, you're honoring God and they're honoring God, which means there's a remnant in your high school. God is in your high school. God is where you are. If you'll just honor God, God will bless where we are just because we are here. Trust the Lord. He's got you. He's got you. Just want to encourage you with this. No matter your circumstance, pray until you have a peace. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles. It says, do not be stubborn as they were. Another translation says, as your fathers were, as your relatives were. Can't we all think of someone that we know that's stubborn, that didn't really give their life to God, or still, is still flaunting their, their, you know, in the face of God, they're living a lifestyle that doesn't honor God? Don't we all have friends like that? We all do. Please don't point to them across the room, but I'm just saying we all have friends, right? <laughs> Maybe a family member that's just you know, crazy and they're just not into the things of God at all. And you think, man, they're being so stubborn. They're just hurting themselves. And so God gives us this verse. He says, do not be stubborn like them. Think about the person you think is stubborn. God says, yeah, you know that person? Yeah, you're being stubborn like you think they are. Wow. So God's calling us out here. He says, don't be stubborn like so-and-so. He says what? But submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple. Come to his house, which he has set apart as holy, Worship the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. He says, hey, don't be stubborn like that person you know that is so stubborn. Don't be. God's saying, I, I look at you that way. You're looking at them thinking, I can't believe they're so stubborn and won't honor God. God's like, what, you think you're not stubborn? You know, you know the sign of our stubbornness that we don't submit to God fully? Worry. If you're worried all the time, you're not trusting the Lord. God, does, God wants you to replace worry with worship. Say, Lord, I just worship you. I thank you, God, that you're in control. When things don't make sense, you make sense. And if you'll do that, then he will, he will give you his peace, the peace that passes understanding. Trust in the Lord. No matter what's going on in your circumstances, pray, seek the Lord. He will give you his peace. We need his peace. There's a children's hospital down the road from us where I'm preaching from today. Uh, on any given weekend, there's two to three students in that hospital that have been checked in that are on suicide watch. Right now, and in the last few months, they're averaging 12 to 13. That's who's checked in. Who's not checked in? We need God's peace. And if you're watching, if you're sitting in here and you hear this and you need that peace, I want to encourage you that this will pass, but that decision you want to make to take your life won't. Do not make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. God has way too much future for you. You are worth it. Your life is worth it. You need to look to God and know that there's an enemy speaking into your ear saying it's not worth it. That is a lie. Your life is worth it. You have purpose, you have promise, and you have the destiny of God within you. God loves you. Don't give up. He's not done with you. He's not done. I want to encourage you today. Pray until you have his peace. He wants to give you that peace on the inside a friend of mine's a pastor in Atlanta named Jensen Franklin. Jensen's a great guy. He uh, was interviewed about a book that he'd recently written, and uh, he has a multi-campus ministry and uh, worldwide outreach through television and other means. And uh, they were asking him about you know, how God has used him greatly in this and that. And he said, honestly, it all goes back to when I was 16. I was 16 years old. I felt God called me to preach. And so I thought, I've got this calling of God in my life. It's going to be great. I'm going to start preaching. He said, within six months of me surrendering my life to God to be a preacher at age 16, that's a young person giving their life to Christ fully. 
He said, six months in, I developed welts all over my body, like boils all over my body. And I don't know how it happened. I was so humiliated. He's a good-looking kid, popular kid in the school. Now he went from popular to pariah within six months. And can you think about, 16 is a hard age anyways, but now going to school and you've got bumps all over your face and your hands and your arms and your neck. I mean, he was so embarrassed. People would start calling him a monster. And so he, he, he didn't even go to school. Eventually, he dropped out of school, made a deal with his teachers and the principal to be able to bring his work home and work at home because he didn't want to be seen. So he began to cry out to God and say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? I, I surrendered my life to you, and, and I'm embarrassed. I don't even want to leave my house. He, for, he was forced quarantine out of embarrassment. But he said in that time, he realized he could either get resentful or he could lean into God. And he began to read his Bible like never before. He had a bunch of cassette tapes of preachers because his father was a pastor. And he began to borrow those cassette tapes from his dad and listen to him over and over and over again, different sermons, different preachers. And he began to get the word of God in him. So what he thought was a horrible mistake was actually God anointing him for the ministry he needed because nothing will make you depend upon God like horrible lack of peace. So could it be that God's using what you're going through to develop you? He develops us. He grows us through those things that seem so unfair. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. This is the last of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I looked up the word persecute. You know what persecution means? Persecution means you're being harassed for your religious or political beliefs. Interesting, isn't it? That's what persecution means. You're being harassed just because you think a certain way. Not even because you did anything. Just you're, you're being canceled because you don't agree with someone else's belief. That's what it means to be, to be persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Many of our beliefs we have aren't based upon our viewpoints because of politics or economy or how we think the world should be run, but because we're Christians. He says, if you're being persecuted because you're a Christian... You're blessed. You're not alone. I was texting with a couple pastors of the day. We're texting about kind of what's going on in our world and our country. And uh, one, of this, one of these pastors lives in the Midwest. I'm in the South, obviously. And, and the third pastor lives in New York State. We're all texting. And me and the guy from North, in the Midwest, we're texting a lot. We're like, yeah, this happened, that's happened. I don't know what's going to happen with the government, what's going to go down with this and that. We're just going back and forth. And the New York guy hadn't said anything. We thought, I thought, why he hasn't commented or anything. Then the next day he comments because apparently he was on a plane. I didn't know that. He said, hey, I'm sorry I was out of, out of touch, but I, I caught up on all your texts. And we were talking about the persecution that we felt like maybe coming to the, to the local church. And he said, guys, I hate to break it to you, but you're in the South and the Midwest. You guys are in a bubble. He said, I live in New York. It's been like this for a long time. He said, we already know that the local governments are against us just because we're a church. He said, so I hate to break it to you, but it's not normal for the American church to feel persecuted, but it's normal for the church to be persecuted. We've been in the bubble, guys. And so did you think that we weren't going to be persecuted for our faith? Did you think how somehow we were going to miss that? I think about my friends at pastor churches in the Middle East, in China. We think persecution because someone doesn't like us because of what, the way we believe. No, 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 no. Persecution looks like this in the Middle East. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you can no longer have water from this water spout. Oh, you're a Christian? Well, then you can no longer send your kids to get an education here because we will not give a Christian an education. 
That's what persecution looks like. What do you think? I've been persecuted. Someone says something mean to me on Facebook. That's actually not persecution. That's just an opinion. I want to encourage you today that we are going to go through persecutions. Look what it says in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Could it be that the very thing we're trying to pray out of our lives is the very thing that's maturing us? Maybe God hasn't removed that problem because he says, no, I'm going to leave it there because I want it to finish its work in you. So God allows that to continue in your life because, listen, we first of all talk about unfair people are going to enter your life, but also unfair circumstances are going to enter your life. So I want to encourage you with this, and you may think, well, this doesn't feel encouraging. I understand, but it's normal. This is part of what God wants to do, and that's God wants to finish us. He wants to develop us, and he develops us through unfair people and unfair circumstances. Joseph understood this. Genesis chapter 50, he's talking to his brothers who had sold him into slavery. I mean, you may have had a bad day this last week, but I don't think you were sold into slavery. That's a bad day when you get human trafficked. He was literally trafficked. He was sold into slavery, ended up in Egypt. Then when he was there, he's praying, oh God, please bless me. God's like, oh, I'm gonna bless you. So now I'm gonna have you accused of rape when you didn't touch the woman. And now you're thrown in the prison. So I didn't know you could get it worse than being a slave, but apparently you can be an imprisoned slave. I mean, wow, it's unbelievable. So that's where he ends up. But God, you think, oh, God rescued him, right? Not, a, not for a while. He stayed in there for years. Finally, after years, then God elevated him to become the leader of Egypt. He, ran, he was the COO, the chief operating officer of Egypt. He ran all of their finances, their food distribution. Joseph, literally, God used him to save the world. But when God wants to do something great through you, he oftentimes first does something tough to you. Because who God uses greatly, he often wounds deeply. So what did Joseph have to say about this when his brothers came to him to say they were sorry years later? Genesis 50, verse 20. Even though you planned evil against me, God planned good to come out of it. Wait, you, you tell me that there can be planned a, a, whole, a whole scheme of people Doing something that's wrong, doing something that's unfair, God's like, yeah, and I can use that. So what you're saying is God's going to make it right. No, not necessarily. God may not fix the unfairness, but he's still going to use it. It may not get fair. Oh, I know one of these days my ex is going to quit saying bad things. Maybe not. Maybe till you die. <laughs> oh, I know one of these days those people that laid me off are going to realize the error of their way. Maybe not. That may never happen. Oh, I know one of these things, things are going to be fair and square and everything's going to be fixed. Maybe not on this side of eternity. But what men and women meant for evil, God will use for good. Another translation puts it this way. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Number four, you're blessed when you're persecuted for doing the right things. Persecution helps usher in God's will being done. As crazy as that seems, God has a plan for what seems unfair to you. He really does. Oswald Chambers puts it this way. If you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They're meant to make you useful 
in his hands. Isn't that good? I just want to close with this, this, this one statement, and I, I pray that, that this is used to God. I'm, real, I'm asking the Spirit of God to use what I'm about to say. I believe that God brought you here today to hear this message because you may be dealing with an unfair person or an unfair situation. And I believe that God is using that in your life. And here's why. The reason why God lets you stay having to deal with an unfair person or an unfair circumstance is because God's either trying to get something in you or out of you. He's either trying to get in you a humility, a dependence upon him, a trust in him, a prayer life maybe you didn't have before. He's trying to get that in you or he's trying to get something out of you, a sin, a struggle, an arrogance, a prayerlessness. Either God's trying to get something in you or he's trying to get something out of you. But God never wastes your pain. He never does. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We take a moment to pray today. If you know God speaking to you, say, wow, pastor, you've been reading my emails again. I promise I'm not. God's just that good. If you know the Lord brought you to hear this today and you know he's speaking to you saying, I still got you, you can have peace with me, quit trying to look for peace in your relationships, in your circumstances, find peace in me. If that's you today, just lift your hand high to God and say, thank you, God, I know you're speaking to me. Thank you, Lord. There's hands going up all across our campuses. You can see that hand up online. You can just let us know. You can just, you can just type in hand up. Praise God. Thank you for that. Trust the Lord. Submit to his will. Submit to him. God, I don't understand why this is going on, but I know that you are still in control. God is still sovereign. Sovereign means I got this. I'm in control. You don't have to sweat it. You may not be able to make it fair and right, but God says, I can. I can still walk with you and guide you and lead you and protect you. Even in an unfair world, I'm still with you. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer out loud with me. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.